This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Post Game Live is brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Cougar Post Game Live is also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, BYU's first season in the Big 12 will end with a losing record in Big 12 play. BYU falls to 2-5 and five in the league and 5-5 five and five on the season. Yeah, BYU entered conference play at 3-0 and oh on the year with wins over Sam Houston, Southern Utah, and Arkansas. Have not uh, had similar success in conference play. BYU falls today by a final score of 45-13. to 13. And... Uh, Hands, what, what's uh, what's as concerning as anything in, in in the Big 12 games BYU's playing is this: these are the margins of defeat in Big 12 play. Minus 11, minus 33, minus 29, minus 30, and minus 32. So in the last four games the Cougs have lost, they've lost by an average of 30 points a game. Well, you're, and the numbers are bearing it out. You know, you're, you're seeing some of the national rankings across the board, and BYU is just tumbling their defense started out okay they were somewhere in the middle somewhere in the 50s and 70s and then BYU's total defense started to really plummet they went into the hundreds and continue to fall and BYU's offense has been down there pretty much the entire season so those losses and those discrepancies are are really bearing out in the numbers and through the week, I, I went into great lengths explaining that this is not just the players. It is not just a position group. It's not just a coach or a coaching staff. This is everybody and everything that's going on with BYU football right now. It's There is nothing that is overly encouraging. You know, it was weird. Today, Greg, there was a flash in the pan with Aiden Robbins in the first half, and I was like, oh, he's good, and then he disappears. Then a flash in the pan with Isaac Rex and a nice drive that finds the end zone, and then it, he disappears. And there, there's nothing that is that is stable, that I can hang my hat on, that I know every week I'm going to get this from this BYU football team. There's nothing that I feel really confident about week in and week out. The third down number uh, has been troubling all year. And one for 11 tonight in third downs. Uh, BYU, earlier in the year, it was just all about the, you know, the, the distance. And, and, and tonight was not terrible. It's seven and a half yards, the average third down distance. Iowa State was 7.2. So you have two teams with a roughly similar third down distance to gain. But uh, Iowa State on the night ends up at 8 for 14, while BYU goes 1 for 11. And, and the Cougars coming into the night were ranked at 126th. You can't get much lower than, than BYU is in third downs, yet BYU found a way to drop from 28.8% to 9% on the night. And um, the third down number's never really gotten fixed, and, and uh, it, it's, just been, it, it's just so tough to play winning football when, when, when you're not a consistent stick mover. And, uh, and BYU really put itself behind the eight ball in the first half on only three first downs through the half, four yards in the second quarter. And, and Iowa State, once they got that big lead at halftime, the game was all but over. We've already chronicled how Matt Campbell's teams just lock you down. The average is seven points allowed after halftime under Matt Campbell, and BYU scored six tonight. So Iowa State, Greg, has always had a name as a defensive team. Well, 
in Matt Campbell's time, they've been known as a defensive team. John Haycock is a really good defensive coordinator. He's been with Matt Campbell since 2016. Those guys know each other well. And and so when I think about Iowa State, I think, oh, that's just a great defensive team. So they've, they've got an identity. They're a great defensive team. Well, what they've done is they added a wrinkle of offense, and you're seeing a bit of an uptick for Iowa State this year as compared to last year. When I look at BYU, I'm thinking, what is their identity? What what are they what are they looking for in recruiting? What are they trying to bolster? Now, Jay Hill has not had time to establish his defensive identity yet. He will. You know, give this defensive staff time, and they will. These are great coaches. I think they're some of the best defensive coaches in the country. And I know that that might seem a little comical to people that are driving around listening to us right now, Greg. But these defensive, these defensive coaches, they, they've all got extreme experience. They've had great defenses before. They've coached great defenses. They know great defenses. So at some point, I've got to imagine that they create the identity of great defense. It's just this team just feels so scattered and skewed, and I'm sure BYU fans are frustrated with it. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, I mentioned that third down number beforehand. Gave you his breakdown, and, and that's the worst third down number in the Kalani Sitake era in any game. It came in the 100th game. Uh, for Kalani, a one for 11 uh, tonight. Uh, a flip side, uh, a positive note, uh, 188 rushing yards were a season high for BYU on this night. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll give you a couple of postgame individual honorees as we continue. It is Big O Tires Cougar Postgame Live. Cougar Postgame Live presented by Big O Tires. Go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. More from Provo next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Listening to Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Greg Rubel. All right, to Iowa State 45, BYU 13. We look for a couple of positives in tonight's game, and we give you the Palmer's Metal Mart Steel Man of the Game. Palmer's Metal Mart is the source for metal roofing and siding. When you buy from Palmer's Metal Mart, you buy from the manufacturer direct, and you save money. Palmer's Metal Mart, everyone's metal store for over 30 years. Proud sponsor of BYU football. Hans, who did you like as as a steel man of the game, someone who showed out tonight and gave the effort you kind of want to see to win that kind of award? Well, it's the name that you heard me call probably 10, 9, 10 times tonight, and that's Crew Wakely. You know, I, I know that that safety spot has been depleted, but Crew came up and made a lot of plays. Now, the other safety position, we saw a rotation. It was a revolving door. Raider DeMuni gave up a touchdown at the end of the half, and we didn't see him much. We saw Preston Rex come in. We saw him go out. We saw Talent Alfrey make his debut, and he went out for spells. And it, we saw Slade come in for a minute, and it's just a revolving door. But Crew Wakely was a staple out there, and he really did play his guts out tonight. So Crew Wakely is tonight's Metal Mart, Palmer's Metal Mart, steel man of the game. For a Waystar star of the game, brought to you by Waystar, simplifying health care payments. Learn more at waystar.com. So where do you go for this one? I think a candidate would have to be um, L.J. Martin, uh, seven, carry, or seven yards per touch on an eight-carry, 56-yard night. Uh, Jake Retzloff led BYU in rushing. 
uh, had a one touchdown, two pick night. Uh, maybe you're looking elsewhere. Uh, Isaac Rex setting a career, uh, a BYU all-time tight end touchdown reception record tonight. He led BYU in catches with three and yards with 52 and a touchdown to set the BYU tight end touchdown catch record at 23. Who do you like as a Waystar star of the game for BYU? Well, I think you go with L.J. Martin in this one and just a couple of thoughts on it. Number one, he pretty much did all his work in a single half of this game. It's confusing as to why we didn't see him in the first half when he was able to come in and do so much work in the second half. But it does give me hope that you'll see him for a full four quarters against Oklahoma. And L.J. Martin was flashy. When he would get the ball, you could see a different level of speed. Aiden Robbins kind of just drifted back into the shadows a little bit. You, know, you, you saw Miles Davis for a carry. He drifted back into the shadows. And L.J. Martin was kind of the, the shining glory in the second half of that game for BYU offensively. All right, those are your postgame honorees. Iowa State 45 and BYU 13 tonight's final score. The Cyclones get bowl eligible to the seventh Big 12 team to get postseason eligible. There will be at least one more in the Big 12. Can BYU make it two more? They need two more games to find one more win. Oklahoma next week here. Oklahoma State on the road to finish the year. Cyclones now 6-4, and 5-2 and two in the Big 12. They clinch another winning conference campaign. BYU falls to 5-5, 2-5 five and five, two and five in the league. BYU will have a losing Big 12 record in its first year of Power Conference membership. More from Provo coming up on Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. Told you what a good 30-minute team Iowa State was. They'd won 19 straight games with a lead at halftime. You can make it 20 in a row. This was a 30-minute game and maybe even only a 15-minute game uh, the way this one got underway. 17-7 was the score after one quarter. That's the most points BYU allowed to any opponent in the first quarter this year and, and Iowa State not necessarily known as a, as a juggernaut but they had a season high in scoring tonight as they defeat BYU by a final score of 45 to 13 a scoreless fourth quarter all scoring down in the first three quarters and 45 13 takes us to the finish get you some individual numbers of note BYU's Jake Retzloff 10 for 27 throwing it rough night 104 yards 100 and, uh, rather one touchdown two picks a pass efficiency rating of 66.8 on 37% passing. Parker Kingston did throw one ball. It was for a touchdown to Isaac Rex. BYU for the night, 11 for 28 for a buck 30. Two touchdowns and two picks. Retzloff was uh, the leading rusher for BYU, 17 for 64, long of 19. Aiden Robbins, 10 for 58, long of 36, career long, BYU career long for Aiden. L.J. Martin, 8 for 56, long of 17. Chase Roberts, a rush of 11. Uh, Miles Davis, one rush for one yard, and Ray Paolo slipped and fell on a jet sweep to the tight end. That was a third in inches, and that resulted in a red zone failure for BYU. Paolo, one for minus two. Catching the ball, Rex, three for 52, and a score. The score gives him the BYU career tight end touchdown catch record. Cody Epps, two for 35. Roberts, two for 12. Ethan Erickson, one for 19. Marion one for six, Phillips one for five, a touchdown as well. JoJo's first BYU touchdown catch. L.J. Martin one catch for one yard. Iowa State, Rocco Becht, 15 for 23 for 203, two touchdowns, no picks. It's a Rocco Becht night. 
65%. Pass efficiency rating, 168.1. Solid quarterback play Mm -hmm. from Becht. J.J. Cole goes one for two for six yards. Rushing it, Abu Sama, eight for 110 and two touchdowns. He had a long of 59. That's his season long and an average touch of 13.8 per carry tonight. Eli Sanders, eight for fi- uh, nine for 57 and a score. Cartavius Norton, six for 42 and a score. So four rushing touchdowns with those three backs. Beck, five for nine. Hanson, five for seven. Har- Harris, one for six. Hughes, two for four. And Jalen Null, one for minus one. 234 rushing yards, doubling the Cyclones per game average yeah. on the ground. Receiving it, Null. Led it 5 for 98 and two scores. Hayden, uh, Jaden Higgins, 4 for 42. Jackson, 2 for 27. Bramer, 2 for 16. These are receiving numbers now. Hanson, 2 for 14. Dean, 1 for 12. And that'll do it for Iowa State, throwing it and receiving it. Those are the individual numbers of note. Hans, you've looked through the box score. You've seen the numbers. We've broken it down. Everything but defense. Leading tackler for BYU, A.J. Vongpachan, 8 tackles, 3 solo. The leading solo tacklers tonight, Thule and Wakely for a piece. Crew Wakely, who was the steel man of the game for hands, ended up with four solos on six total with a TFL and a PBU on this night. Joey Peterson led the Cyclones in tackling eight tackles, two solo stops. So I know it's always tough when you're getting into double and triple score leads in the second half to really gauge where a team is, but... I did want to see this BYU defense shut down those quick slants that Iowa State was hitting them with. thought they did a better job coming out of the half, at least slowing down those quick slants. I think I only saw one, maybe two completions in a quick slant in the second half. So I was happy with that. That was an adjustment that really needed to happen. As far as the offense is concerned, I, I wish that there was just something more consistent about it. If it was L.J. Martin for four quarters, great. But it's so hard to find any type of flow as a running back when you're playing a half, and and I'm sure that that's frustrating to him, and it's probably frustrating to Aiden Robbins at times because he's still dealing with whatever injury he was recovering from and coming back from, and I'm sure that that's probably frustrating to him. But, you know, Greg, it's really hard to find many positives to take away from this game. It, it it feels like the negatives are as heavy as they were in West Virginia. And I really felt like this would be a time to come back in front of your home crowd and shake off that negativity and find some of that, that, that pizzazz that you had against Texas Tech or that you played with against Cincinnati. But you know, now you're getting so far down the road and, and you're, you're seeing so much bad football that I'm sure that this team is just starting to compile in frustration, really starting to compile in frustration. And, you know, the other thing that's tough, Greg, is you start pointing fingers a little bit. And people start blaming each other and, you know, people on the outside start blaming the coaches and the coaches start getting defensive and reining it in and it's just – these are, are really tough times. And with two games left, this coaching staff can't fall in a hole. This coaching staff can't go dormant. This is where they've got to blossom. Because think about it. A win against Oklahoma in this stadium, as absurd as that might sound to us right now, 
it would go a long way to restore order. I'll go back to that Boise State game last year. Going in against Boise State after, what was it, three or four losses that they had racked up going into that Boise State game, that game didn't look good until you get the Puka Nakua catch in the end zone that that wins that, I believe, in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. That was a big moment for the staff to at least save some face. Oklahoma would be the same type of deal. Oklahoma is next on the agenda. Next on our agenda is hopefully a conversation with tight end Isaac Rex, the record setter. After this, Big O Tires Cougar Postgame Live continues here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. With more post-game reaction, here's Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with more Cougar post-game live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 45-13 is tonight's final score. Iowa State over BYU. We'll be speaking with Isaac Rex momentarily, and soon after him, we hope to hear from A.J. Vongpachan, so one offensive and one defensive player to come. And uh, things began poorly for BYU, to say the least. BYU's first offensive touch, interception. Iowa State scores a touchdown seconds later. On the ensuing kickoff following the touchdown, it's a fumbled kickoff return. It's a field goal seconds later. And before the game is minutes old, BYU's down 10-0 in hands. It's another early double-digit deficit for BYU. Kalani's teams are so good playing with the lead and have struggled so much lately to get a lead. Well, it's tough, too, Greg, because... We spent the pregame talking about how difficult this Iowa State team is in the second half, and and BYU knows that. Kalani was prepared for that. He knows how difficult Matt Campbell is in the second half. They they fail quick. Isaac Rex is popping on the headset. Uh, Isaac, we appreciate the time. Uh, you've just finished a TV interview, and you'll spend a minute or two with us, and I know it's, so it's always hard when you have to be a guy talking after a loss like tonight, but we want to offer personal congratulations on a milestone moment, and and being the all-time tight end touchdown catch leader at BYU is something very significant. We're glad it's you, and we're glad you're taking a minute. So thank you for the time, and congratulations on that at least tonight. Yep, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I know it's hard to focus solely on a personal accomplishment on a night like tonight when a team takes a tough loss, but it's been a long, you know, it's been a trying career through injury and pain and heartbreak for you, and I'm just glad you're still grinding it out there each night, and hopefully you feel a, a certain sense of personal reward for what you did accomplish tonight, even though it's hard in the team setting. Yeah, I, I love this university. I love BYU. Um, I love the fans. I love the coaches, the staff, students. Um, I love this university so much. So uh, obviously I care way more about winning. And there's been a lot better tight ends that have come before me. But I uh, appreciate the, um, the congratulations. Yes, uh, heartfelt from our standpoint. And, and uh, where, I mean, this thing turned so quickly it felt like Isaac like the game's not very old and you find yourself down double digits and in a lot of ways you're like well here we go again man how do we dig out of this hole yeah we keep doing it to ourselves and it's uh, so frustrating um, yeah this is not on you know any of the coaches they called a great game you know we got to look at ourselves as players and you know see what we're um, all about and we're just killing ourselves on you know with turnovers and just giving them easy field position and easy points you know it's just uh, just frustrating so very frustrating Isaac speaking of the coaches I'm I'm just curious what was their message in the locker room after this game um you know I mean 
it's embarrassing. You know, we put up an embarrassing score in front of our fans. Um, you know, we're, we know we're a better team than that. We're not doing the little things um, that are going to help us win. And, you know, I, as players, we need to look into ourselves. Um, our schedule doesn't get any easier. <laughs> you know, we got Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State. It's like two more games to, you know, get bowl eligible, which I think would be a huge accomplishment in the first year in the Big 12. But, you know, it's no time to sulk. Get ready on Monday. Isaac, I'm curious, you know, now with some compiling embarrassing losses with Texas and, and West Virginia and then coming into this game, how much have things changed in practice? How much are you guys tweaking things to try to to shake the the ugliness of the week before? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some tweaks in practice. We, You know, we go pretty hard in practice, uh, which is much needed. Um, but, I mean, it's... It doesn't really matter <laughs> if I want to say that, like how hard you practice on, you know, throughout the week or how much you prepare. If you're not ready to go on, on Saturday, you know, that's how it's going to be. You know, you're going to get blown out. And this league is too good. There's too many good teams. If we're not ready to play, if we just make stupid mistakes like we did tonight, you know, we're going to get blown out. So that's how it is. Um, we, we prepare all week during practice. We prepare hard. But, you know, we got to be gamers when it comes down to it and you know uh, when it's game time strap it up let's go every player is going to be feeling the pain of the season 10 games in how how's your body treating you isaac as you go through the grind each week uh pretty good i mean uh as good as it can be i guess it's you know this has been definitely a grind uh these teams that we're playing in uh week in win out is something that i haven't experienced before a lot of guys haven't on the team you know i mean these these schools are good, so you're going to get beat up after games, but uh, we'll push through it. We'll be we'll be good. You feel like your wheels are kind of back to where they were before your your serious injury? Uh, yeah, I think so. I feel like I'm moving pretty well out there, um, but you know it's more important. Uh, I probably you know get my stamina up, um, I guess. But yeah, I'm feeling feeling fast. I'm feeling pretty good out there. So yeah. How'd you like Parker's throw on the touchdown catch tonight? It was, it was money. It was uh, on the dot. And Parker has shown he could sling it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we could use that to our advantage maybe. Isaac, there was a, a drive in there that you and Retzloff felt like you were really grooving together, a couple of connections and a nice drive. Tell me what you've thought of the young quarterback as he's come in and taken over the start and had his second one tonight. What do you think of his play, his style, and how it fits you in this offense? Yeah, I'm proud of Jake. I mean, um, obviously he would like to put up more uh, points on the board, as you know, and the quarterback gets the brunt of, you know, the criticism most of the time in, in terms of the overall offense, but he doesn't deserve any of that. He's uh, been playing hard, been playing well. He made some really good throws today. Uh, we're proud of Jake um, and uh, how he has stepped into this role with Keaton being out, and uh, I think he has a bright future at BYU. All right, so you've already alluded to it. Last thing for you, Isaac, is uh, OU coming into town to play their final ever Big 12 away game. It'll come on senior day. You're listed as a redshirt junior. Are you going to be part of the senior day festivities next week, or, or what's your situation? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk uh, next week. So, Are you planning on this being your last year at BYU? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, 
Well, then next week we'll have added meaning for you and all of us that watch you. So um, we're, we're going to give a preemptive thank you um, in a lot of ways for what you've done at BYU if it is indeed your last home game next week. And, and we'll, we'll miss you a lot and, and appreciate everything you've done on the field and off and for our, as good as you've been to the broadcasters. We appreciate you. You've been a great one, Isaac. Well, I appreciate this university. I appreciate all you guys and what you guys do for this university. I love this university. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's win, a, win next week and uh, uh, experience, you know, maybe my last home game and just have fun with it. So Here's to it. Thank you, Isaac. You're the best. Appreciate you. All right, A.J. Vaughn-Bachon next. Big O Tires Cougar Postgame Live continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Greg Rubel. If tailgating is not your thing, but you still want to eat good after the game, JCW's has mouth-watering burgers and shakes the whole family can enjoy. JCW's quality and a lot of it. All right, uh, Iowa State 45, BYU 13, our final score. Back down to field level. We've heard from the offense with Isaac Rex, now the defense with A.J. Vonkpachan, BYU's leading tackler, putting on the headset. A.J., thank you for the time. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Okay. Wow. Um, it's three straight weeks where things kind of get away from BYU, and, and Kalani's been using the word embarrassing to describe the last couple games. What words do you kind of come up with to describe where BYU is right now? No doubt. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right there with Coach. It's, it's definitely embarrassing and honestly just frustrating just because, you know, you know I, I believe that we got the right guys in the room on the team, you know, and, you know, guys that care a lot about, you know, what we're doing. And, you know, we just got to do a better job of just executing and, you know, doing our job. So, A.J., you know, we've heard that for a few weeks, and I think the BYU fans want to understand what you're doing exactly to do those things, to execute better and to do your job better. Are you seeing changes? Is Jay Hill making some shifts, some changes, personnel, practice, um, a scheme? Are you are you guys trying to adjust after some of these embarrassing losses? Yeah, we're definitely trying to adjust. And, you know, obviously team to team is different, right? This is a, it was a, this was a, a big personnel team that, you know, wanted to run the ball. And we knew that coming into the game. And, you know, it just came down to, you know, winning at the point of attack. You know, I think we do a good job of doing our job, you know, but it's just not consistent enough, especially, you know, when you give up explosive explosive plays that, you know, shift momentum back to the other team. When you guys began the season 3-0 and and are just one at Arkansas, do you think there was a sense that, okay, we've kind of got this thing figured out? And, and how much of it is, is to know it's a long season and every opponent's different? Or has the Big 12 kind of been a bit of a reality check for BYU that way? Yeah, I don't know if it's a reality check. You know, we knew you know how good the conference was but you know at the end of the day you when you're playing good teams week in and week out you just can't make the mistakes that we're making and expect to win the game so now in preparation for oklahoma aj how do you personally attack that preparation and and that week knowing that oklahoma is going to be in here next week yeah for me i got to take it personal you know as a leader you know i gotta i gotta just step up and you know be the guys uh you know bring the guys along and you know just you know at the end of the day just be ready to go you know I think you know I just got to do more you know I get you know the leaders on the team especially me just uh you know just getting the guys ready at the end of the day and that's the biggest thing I can say especially just going out there and making plays you know making things happen for the team and just gaining momentum for our for our guys how was your footing out there tonight how did you find yourself slipping like so many other guys were out there tonight yeah I thought it was a little slippery out but uh 
you know, I don't, I don't want to make that excuse because both teams have to play on it. So, you know, it is what it is. No, it, 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 just, it was just weird that we saw so many guys having a difficulty with it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little, little more slippery than usual, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what, what the reason was. Or, but, yeah. yeah. So, so next week is senior day, uh, yes, and, this, and this is a, a moment for you to reflect on, on a short and really quick BYU career because it's kind of, kind of flown by, AJ. Yeah. This is it for you, right, in terms of a home game next week? Yes, sir. Well, uh, 11 games as a BYU Cougar, soon to be 12, of course. But what, what can you say either to Cougar Nation or about your time you've spent here at Lavelle Bridge Stadium and in a BYU uniform? Man, like you said, it was, it was a really, really quick, you know, short amount of time that I was here. But, you know, I've, I've loved every second of it. You know, I wish that I, you know, I had more time. But, uh, you know, I've, I'm very, very thankful and grateful for the university, the fans, the, you know, the coaches for giving me the opportunity to come here because uh, it's definitely a special place. AJ, what are you looking to get out of the next couple of weeks? You know that sixth one is a big one. You know that's that's what everyone's that's what's on everyone's mind and definitely mine because uh, you know we want to we want to earn that extra week and you know it's very critical for us. AJ, we thank you for the time tonight and always, and uh, hopefully it's a good week of prep and something special happens next Saturday here at Lavelle. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you, AJ Vonkbachon, BYU linebacker, with us. Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. We'll continue from Provo. We'll hear from the other locker room. Matt Campbell's comments are coming up on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. Bingo Tires Cougar Post Game Live continues. Iowa State came into tonight averaging less than a sack a game allowed, 0.89 sacks per game. Well, BYU got a full sack tonight, and courtesy of our next guest, Tyler Batty. Tyler popping on the headset with us at field level. And uh, it's tough after games like this for players to have to, you know, do the post-game thing. But Tyler always does win or lose. And uh, it's always good news when we get to hear from Tyler Batty. Tyler, thank you for taking a minute and uh, appreciate you as always. Yeah, you bet. Okay, so, uh, yeah, getting home on Rocco Beck is not something a lot of teams do. You did have a sack tonight, but it was one and only one on the night. The sack numbers for BYU kind of been lagging. What's your perspective on what BYU has been able to do or not do in terms of pressure this year? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of it comes down to um, you know where we where we've struggled generally in the game. You know, the past couple games stopping the run, um, got to get teams to to drop back and throw the ball. You know, and we'll get more pressure there. So Tyler, Greg, and I have been able to come out to a couple practices, and you know that week of preparation for Texas Tech, we saw you, and it was animated and and exciting, and and a great outcome against Texas Tech. How was the week of practice leading up to this game how did you feel about the preparation and what you guys had built for this game coming into this one I felt good about it honestly and uh yeah I think I think we had a good week of preparation guys were guys were busting their tails um and uh you know it's it's tough to say because honestly I felt I felt like we prepared well and I was I was very confident into our game in 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 our preparation and in our game plan coming into tonight and then the game plan kind of, a lot of it gets, you know, uh, jumbled when suddenly you're down 10 nothing and you almost haven't seen the field yet, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit at the, at the, same, at the same time, you know, we just got to come out and play football, right? We got to keep their offense off the field. So, Tyler, some of those long run plays that get on the outside, just kind of walk me through what the defense needs to do in those moments to seal up those edges. Because Oklahoma, coming to this building next week, they're going to try to hit those outsides. What do you got to do to better sure, sure up the outside? 
guys just got to do their job, right? Uh, it's, it's not like we're not prepared for that. It's not like, you know, we haven't mapped that out. Um, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, guys need to fit up uh, where they're supposed to and make a play. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State remain the two chances you get to get bowl eligible. We've seen week to week, Tyler, that you don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the Big 12 despite what you think you might know. The chances of BYU getting that game to get that 13th game, how are you guys approaching it now? You know, the same, the same way. Every, every week we, uh, as we prepare for a game, right, we, uh, we prepare to win. We expect to win. Um, and so, yeah, looking, looking to get that, that sixth win and be bowl, bowl eligible, you know, we'll, we'll be doing the same. And, you know, again, we're going to do some soul searching and, and figure out what we need to do to, <clears throat> to make this thing go and, and uh, you know, really, really make some strides um, on defense and, and, uh, and so, yeah, this week in practice, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to trust our process, um, and, you know, we're going to look to see what, what more we can do so we can be more prepared come next week. You feel like the uh, defensive staff, do you feel like they're pressing hard? Do you feel like they're, they're really pushing and, and doing everything they can to, to get you guys ready week to week? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tyler, next week is senior day. You're listed as a junior, but I can never tell nowadays with COVID and everything else which is a junior that wants to walk on senior day, which is a guy that's got another year. Where do you stand right now with your eligibility and and if you're part of next week? Yeah, I will be walking next week. Um, You know, just, uh, you know, keep my options open for now, but, uh, you know, don't want to miss out on that opportunity. And so um, I will be walking next week. So it could be your last home game at BYU. Yes, it very well could be. What are the chances of that, do you think, Tyler? Uh, you know, Too we'll tough see. to tell right now? We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, either way, it becomes an emotional moment for you because you get it out of the way either way. Uh, can you already kind of forecast a bit what you might be thinking and feeling uh, against the Sooners next Saturday? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, uh, I love Lavelle Edwards. I love the stadium. Uh, you know, I love BYU football. And uh, um, to think that it's coming to an end so soon, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, it's sad, man. Absolutely. Well, we hope that there is a, a moment of happiness and moments of happiness next week for you and this team and something special happens and you find a way in these next two weeks to, to earn that 13th game. It would be something special and, and it would be a great way to wrap this thing up for you and the guys. Uh, Tyler, thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate great job you. on your hey, sack today, Tyler. Tyler Batty. You That's Tyler Batty with us. Thank you so much. All right, let's hear from the other locker room now. Matt Campbell is the head coach of Iowa State. His team defeats BYU tonight by a final score of 45-13. to 13. This was Coach Campbell in the Iowa State press area a short time ago. Our thanks to audio engineer Clark Jackman for obtaining these comments moments ago. What made this, what I'm saying, is your best all-around game this year? Yeah, you know, I, I just think it goes back to what I've said about this team. I, I, I still feel like if you really look at every game we played, we have gotten better every week. And, you know, even last week, I thought there was a lot of improvement in some areas. And, you know, again, you look today, I mean, Abu Sama, uh, another freshman that steps up and played his best football game. Um, and the way our kids practice, I think there's a, still a growth pattern in this team that is, uh, it's, it's remarkable. And, and I give a lot of credit to our seniors, and I, they continue to work really hard to get better one day at a time. With that growth pattern, where does the offensive line fall in? Yeah, I mean, I I think they're certainly, you know, on the front line of it. Um, You know, that group, it just um, seems like every week has made great strides. And, you know, again, I I think it's coupled with, 
you know, the tight end group really having confidence. It's certainly coupled with the growth of the running back room. You know, I thought that running back room was phenomenal tonight. Um, and, and again, you know, I think sometimes you look at just one entity, but it's never that. It's, it's really that collective group just getting better and in sync. And, and a lot of credit to, to the seniors, the players, and obviously the coaches. They're doing a great job. What was your third down strategy tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I just I think the biggest third down strategy was get ourselves into manageable situations, right? And, you know, try to do everything in our power to put ourselves in situations that we can manage. You know, there's a, they've got a really great pass rush. They've got the ability to pressure you, and we didn't want to be in, in third and long situations. We thought that would be really challenging for our group. Until I quit keeping track, um, Rocco was involved in every one of them. Every one of them was just a Is Was this maybe his most hideous game? Yeah, I, I really thought it was. You know, in 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 a multiple facets, I thought he did a really great job in terms of, um, you know, like you said, on third down, and even when the first or second read wasn't there, his ability to get to his third or fourth read. I thought he did a really good job tonight using his feet. You know, I thought he, you know, that was improvement from where he was last week, in my opinion. And you know, I, I thought he played with a lot of confidence. You know, again, a, a lot of credit to Nate. I thought, you know, our offensive staff put him in great situations, but I really thought Rocco was confident and played his best football. We for four quarters. There were a couple plays tonight. I think the middle screen to Bramer, the Jalen's touchdown, where it seemed like the offense and they maybe up, went up a level. Like that looked like creativity mm-hmm. and execution at a level that kind of made it seem. Yeah, you know, we I think we ran the Bramer one maybe a, a week or two ago, but but you're right. I, I think it was it's timing and you know execution and and again I, I think that um, you know the Jalen one. We talked last week. There were some times where you know we did some really good things, but there was also time our, our detail was off. And you know, Jalen will get the credit, and, and certainly Rocco's throw. But it's Dimitri Stanley's split and what he does on that play that actually creates the touchdown. And it's it's a little thing that nobody will see, but it's the detail and precision there. Um, you know, Rocco's got the ability to find out what the coverage was on the Bramer deal and really put ourselves in the best situation to be successful. And so that's where the growth process of Rocco continues to evolve. And, and again, it's it's detail. And, and we will still have to prove that we can do that with elite consistency going forward because those challenges only get harder. But, um, you know, from, from our end, I thought the ability to do it at this place where it hasn't been done very much at night um, against an opponent we had the utmost respect for, um, you know, it was it was fun to watch our kids go execute with a lot of precision tonight. In the second quarter, BYU told them four yards and then in place. What did you feel like you did right defensively to really shut them down? Because after you got that 10 on lead, of course, they came down right. and got that touchdown and cut it to three. Yeah, you know, just a couple of those plays, you know, a lot of credit to their quarterback. You know, he had some really great runs and and was able to get out in space, and we just didn't fit the quarterback run very well. And, you know, we were able to come on the sideline, make a couple adjustments, and and just kind of try to to be better in that area, you know, and knowing that they would probably come back to it because they had hit it for a couple big plays. So, you know, I give our our staff some credit. You know, we were able to do that and, and then win on first down. You know, that was something in that drive. You know, I think they were in a lot of second and shorts and third and short situations. And, you know, I thought our ability to try to get them out of that situation and maybe put the flow of the game back in our favor was critical for us. And then on the other side of it, once they did score that touchdown, the next three TDs that you guys scored in the second floor were all rushing touchdowns. 
and then you have the big rushing plays, obviously, in the third quarter as well. What, what kind of contributed to the running game just getting better and getting more explosive as the game progressed? Well, I think, you know, to we, we were trying to get ourselves spatially in, into some space, but, like, if you're going to do that, you got to be able to make some people miss. And that's where, you know, again, what happened tonight was our running backs were able to, to, to really have great vision and, and really make some great runs. I mean, Abu Sama's two runs are... Man, I, I don't know if we've seen that in a while, you know, where you, there's multiple people that he was able to make miss. And, you know, I thought, you know, Cartavius did a really good job of that at times tonight. And then, you know, I thought Eli really kind of set the tone for us at the beginning of the football game. So, um, you know, I, I, again, you know, you've got to have guys that, that can get out in space and try to make people miss. And, and fortunately, our kids did that. Still two games in the line for the two guys get to get that sixth win. What's it mean for this group from where they came from, not only at one three, but just everything was Oh, I mean, you know, I just told those guys, I mean, what another huge milestone for these kids. I mean, um, you know, and you guys that have covered us know that it's been a it's been a long road. And, you know, I think a lot of people counted us out. You know, I think a lot of people uh, with the situation that came in hand kind of backed away from our team and our program. And, you know, every time I felt like that happened, I felt like our kids just continued to intensify their their precision and detail and togetherness and and you know what they've done is remarkable i mean their character they haven't flinched um when it's been good or when it's been tough and they've had the ability to just keep working and um i think that character that resolve that can you know that competitive character has just shown up honestly since january and it, it's been something that's been really fun to coach and very really fun to watch and yeah i think today's a big it's a big milestone and you know we'll celebrate it tonight but obviously there's huge football in front of us and and what a great opportunity a tribute to this team that we're in week 11 and, and put ourselves in a really great spot yeah I think you know he was really close tonight um, my guess is you know he'll be ready to go I think you know we just wanted to be I know I've said this for the last two weeks I want to be right then I want to be fast and you know I, I do I think for for Coop he should be ready to rock and roll man great for JMO tonight to get a, another freshman steps up in a critical moment and the man had a big interception I thought played a really good football game so we're really proud of him so um, but that's where we think Coop's at last one right here um you know, obviously, third straight road victory in, in, in a league like this, it's tough to get wins on the road. What does it say about the team's mental toughness for you being able to have consistent success away from home? This yeah, you know, in, in our program, when we when we've been really good, we've had the ability to win on the road, and you know, I think that you're right. It's really hard to do, and it's really hard to do in this conference. But I, I think, again, it says a lot about the competitive character and the competitive endurance of our kids. And, you know, as this, this, <laughs> this conference, you better bring it every week because everybody can beat everybody and you've got to be able to play your A football. And, um, you know, we've, we, we've continued to learn that value, this young football team. And, um, you know, hopefully that value continues to go forward for us. Thanks, guys. All right, that is uh, Matt Campbell, head coach of the Iowa State Cyclones, and uh, he alludes to that without referencing the situation directly, the fact that uh, Iowa State's football program was rocked by, by the gambling situation in the state of Iowa. And you lose a starting quarterback. You lose your returning rusher, leading rusher. You lose five or six starters on this team to recover from what they had to deal with. Not only the actual, you know, the, the the personal, the personnel, tactical part of it, but the effect on the overall team morale, the the, the speculation, the intensity, the gaze on the pro- to recover from all of that, 
to get bowl eligible and be an upper tier Big 12 team with two games to play. Kudos to Matt Campbell and Iowa State. They are now bowl eligible for the sixth time in the last seven seasons. He's a really good one. He and Kalani were both hired in the same year. They're both in their eighth season with their teams. Kalani's at 61 wins. And Matt Campbell's at 52 wins and uh, is is proving to be a real find for that program. And you think, well, could he weather what they just dealt with? And he's weathering it. That team is weathering it. You're right. And I had forgotten about that. It happened so early in the season. And I'd forgotten how bad that did rock that program. It rocked Iowa State and it rocked Iowa. Yeah. They, they had some players that were... A part of that. There's also. a lot of key players that that, yeah. miss, that that end up missing from the roster. There, there really were, and you also mentioned it. Just the embarrassment that comes with it, and also the fear of, oh man, am I next? You know, I, I was, I, I played a couple of games, or I did this, and and you've got all this fear and speculation of what might happen to you, and then, the the coaches had to be thinking like. Well, what's the end game for us? How much are we going to get dragged into, you know, lack of uh, institutional control institutional and all that control stuff? Yeah. And, yeah. and how much should we have known about our athletes? So, yeah, they, they overcame a lot. You got to give them props for doing that because they looked really strong tonight. And they have looked strong. I mean, they, they had a really nice win earlier in the season against Oklahoma State and a nice winning record now in Big 12 play and this was a really good thumping that they just put on BYU. He's the only coach in school history, Matt Campbell, that is, with five consecutive winning seasons. It happened in 2017 through 21. Last year was not a winning season. Last year was a 1-8 and eight Big 12 year. They're 5-2 and two right now. Yeah, 1-8, and eight, and that really came down to what they were doing offensively, and that also goes to Matt Campbell. He was aware enough that he fired his offensive coordinator, and he brought in... Nate Schilhaus, and Nate has done some really good things. Now, remember, Nate was on this staff um, going back six seasons ago, but this was his first as an offensive coordinator coming in and calling plays. And you can and that was see, a change from they fired the OC. That's right. New OC, yep. And you can see some of the things that he's come in and done, just the misdirection that they roll with, and their counterattack is solid. They're... They're 13 personnel. They're 12 personnel. They like to run bigs. They they block out well. They've got offensive linemen that play well. Man, I love Jared Hufford. I love that guy. He's he's just feisty and nasty. Jim Boniface, the center. Boniface. Jim Boniface, he yes. He is so good at what he's asked to do. So that offensive line is well coached, and, and that offense is way better. So to, to your point of – one and eight last year to where they're at this year. I think a lot of it has to do with Matt Campbell seeing what he needed to do offensively and making that change. So this will be, because they've already clinched a Big 12 winning record, they're at five and two, this will be their seventh ever, ever winning season in the Big 12 in conference play. Matt Campbell's got six of them. Yeah, that it, that's impressive and you know, you take a look at what one of his quarterbacks is doing in the, in the NFL and Brock Purdy right now. It's a Brees Hall, David Montgomery, two of the best running backs in the NFL right now. He has built some really good athletes. And let me tell you this right now. He's got probably five, four or five guys, NFL guys on this roster. Uh, Bo Freeler is an NFL guy. TJ Tampa is an NFL guy. Um, 
Jeremiah Cooper, an NFL guy. Uh, Tyler uh, Onyedem. Onyedem is an NFL guy. So he's got NFL guys on the defensive side, and, you know, we'll, we'll see with Eli Sanders if, if he can be that guy. I do think Benjamin uh, Bramer is probably going to get a nice look, and I do think Jared Hufford is an NFL offensive lineman. So he's, he's yeah. built some NFL talent. And under Matt Campbell, he's produced ten NFL draft picks. They are yeah. coming. They're coming out of Ames. Now, they're packing them in. Yeah, they really are. They're they're packing them in. And not that BYU's not, because the Cougars are putting some prime talent into the league as well, well right now. BYU is one of the few schools in the country that could claim two starting quarterbacks in the NFL a couple of weeks ago until one got a concussion just a couple of plays in. Yeah, that was that was terrible for Jaron Hall. But yeah, they're they're. Putting them in, you're, you're definitely see being BYU putting more in. And, uh, this year, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And just watching the field and watching what these guys are doing this year. Kingsley is still an NFL talent. He came in as a as a pretty high projected draft pick. I'm not sure sure where he ends up round wise after this season concludes, but that's uh, certainly one guy scouts have had their eye on. Ben Bywater uh, was knocked out due to injury. How much did that affect what scouts may think of Ben uh, coming out of this year? Well, it's going uh, to affect more of what they think of him as a draft pick than what they think of him as a future NFL athlete. I think they still look at him as a future NFL backer, but you, you really can't roll in that fourth, fifth round that Ben Bywater probably would have been drafted in. Yeah. Now you're probably able to pick him up with an aggressive – uh, free agent mark, you know, you're probably rolling in at sixty, maybe one hundred twenty thousand dollars, giving him a little bit of a guarantee as an undrafted free agent, and and bringing him in because that that he is going to be an NFL talent. He's a great linebacker, but you know BYU is uh, in a really interesting situation right now. You know, Greg, I, I want to see BYU go back to more of the traditional um, high school recruit recruitment and development they they went so heavy in the portal and it feels like there's just no real identity with the portal that's come in the culture that he maybe little shifted with all of this this portal that came in you know going back and and I understand the portal because you brought in a whole new defensive staff and they're going to bring in their guys and they did but this year, I'd like to see them go back to some development, bring in some young guys, and people show patience and watch them develop some, some youth instead of getting the transfer talent. Before we break hands and get ready for Kalani Sitake, who's still to come, reflecting, reflections on the interviews we had with, uh, with Tyler Batty and Isaac Rex in particular in that they are juniors who have already told us tonight they'll be walking on senior day. Isaac Rex sounded like he was pretty sure done. Tyler Batty left it a little more open, but you can tell that both guys wanted to put themselves into the senior day list because they think this could be it for them uh, next week at BYU. Yeah, I thought Isaac Rex was pretty open with you when you asked him pretty pointedly what his plans are, and it feels like that will be his last game in this stadium coming up next week, and that is... A really solid career. Uh, a guy. So that, glad he got the record tonight, Dan. A guy that set that record, and, and you hope that he can even extend it by one or two coming up next week against Oklahoma. As far as Tyler Batty's concerned, felt like he really left that more open. Yeah. 
Um, he said he wanted to make sure he doesn't miss out on it just in case because he wants to keep his options open, he said. Be interested to see what Tyler Batty's draft grades are right now. I mean, if 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 I had to kind of drop a draft grade for him, you're looking at a, a sixth or seventh round talent potentially. I might try to beef him up, make him more of a three technique in the NFL. You've got to have that crazy explosive speed off the edge in the NFL to play defensive end, but I, I could see him being a, a really good three technique. I do think he's going to get an NFL shot. I think the draft might be difficult for him. And I, I don't know how much that plays into his decision to come back another year. Another year with Kelly Popinga and Jay Hill and Sione Pua and Jan Jorgensen, may, maybe that cranks it up just a little bit more intense and, and gives him another shot. Let's revisit your Ford keys to the game here uh, during Cougar Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. Your first question, dealt, uh, first key dealt with quarterback pressure. Yeah, BYU's offensive line and and the defensive front that they were going to face. I talked about the fifty-two quarterback hurries that Iowa State had put up this year. They, they, end, up, they end up with three sacks and six TFLs on the night. Iowa State's defense. That is. Do you have a Q, QBH uh, stat? A quarterback hurry. Um, I ended up with uh, two hurries in addition to the three sacks. Okay, so they were definitely on top of Retzlaff. You know, there were a couple of – there was one roughing the passer that I can really remember, but they got after him. They really really got after him. Um, The one that really bugs me, and I I don't want to get too preachy or harpy, but in the second half – Iowa State's rushing three. I don't even think, I think two of them were, were backups. They rushed three, and they got the pressure on Retzloff. And I can't remember if it was the sack or, or if it was just the pressure. I don't know if you remember, but you remember I, I mentioned a three-man pressure yeah. getting there is unacceptable in that moment. This offensive line should take a lot more pride in that, in that moment. But they got there. That's the one that really frustrates me, and it sits heavy on my mind. So that was number one. Key number two was uh, Jake Retzloff getting off quick throws, and in the first half he completed only two passes. Only two passes. The, the second quarter was absolutely bonkers, but I didn't see enough of those quick throws into those quick forming routes. I didn't see enough to feel good about it. You know, it opened up with an interception where he was trying to go to the deep level instead of throwing the underneath route and going with the easy pitch and catch. He forced it into the zone, and it was an interception. It always makes me wonder how much that rattles a kid that's in his second start to where he's like, man, I can't I can't take that kind of shot. I can't take that kind of risk. And he kind of gathers it in a little bit. And I do think that that had some lasting effects through the first half. It felt like he shook some of that off in the second half and and came out and, and slinged it just a little bit better. But I think that he was pretty rattled. I wanted to see more quick passes. I want to see more quick slants and jabs and quick hitches and digs. I want to see those things. And your last key was rush yards. I think this dealt with BYU rush yards, or was it, uh, no, was it Iowa no, State rush yards? No, it was it was BYU needing to have the lead at half because Iowa State. Oh yeah, that's right too. Because Iowa State is so good at closing out games in the second half. And it was thirty-one-seven at halftime. 
So I had rush yards in my mind for some reason on your keys tonight, and I didn't know if it was either way. Iowa State doubled their rush average yeah. on this night, and BYU, for the record, did um, set a season high in rushing yards at uh, 188 on the uh, the night. Their previous high was 150 in the home win over Texas Tech. I will tell you that when you get into the second half and you're in a double and then a triple score lead, I do think that some of those rushing yards are probably fairly empty. And I take a look at that first half when Iowa State was fully engaged and really leaning into the game. That's more what I take from it. But but I will say L.J. Martin did come in in the first parts of the of the second half and did some I, – I, he did some things that made you feel like, all right, maybe maybe he's the spark. Maybe he's the guy that helps you get through this Oklahoma game. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We still have to hear from Kalani Sitake, in, uh, and we'll do that momentarily. Final score, 45-13, Iowa State over BYU. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the BYU Creamery Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. The Postgame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Economics Partners, a national leader in business valuation services. Learn more at econpartners.com. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Kalani Sitake's postgame comments are still to come. Let's kick off the BYU Creamery Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, which is brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's kick it off with that economics partner's valuable stat of the game. And this was a stat that uh, kind of went both ways tonight. Uh, it capitalized, or Iowa State capitalized on it, and BYU could not do the same on its end. It was third downs. Uh, Iowa State tonight was 8 of 14, and BYU was 1 for 11. That's the valuable stat of the game in this game. It's brought to you by Economics Partners. Whether for tax, financial reporting, or strategic purposes, when your business needs a valuation, the right partner is Economics Partners. Learn more at econpartners.com. And the third downs were a struggle for BYU tonight. Uh, The third down average distance to gain was close. Uh, Iowa State was at 7.2. BYU was at 7.5. Uh, but uh, the Cougars converted to a tune of only one for 11, and it's been a, a season-long struggle uh, for the offense to extend drives, continue series, and move sticks. There's one third down in particular that really stands out to me, and I'm sure it stands out to you as well. You've got a third in inches situation. You're in your red zone, and you know that the footing is bad, and I'm talking third and inches. I know Iowa State was really pinching out on that defense, but Moving forward, maybe they didn't feel like they had the grip with Retzlaff or the center to really push forward, so they tried to give it an end around to Ray Paulo, if I remember correctly. Ray loses his footing and loses about three yards. And that was part of the third down scenario tonight for BYU on that key third. Let's head down to the locker room. Kalani Sitake is on headset now. It is the BYU Creamery Cougar Post Game Coaches Show. Uh, Kalani, Greg and Hands upstairs, and um, you've had some time to let this one simmer a bit. Um, what's what's top of mind for you right now? Yeah, uh, worry about the things we can't control, and um, you know, find a way. I mean, that, that's a, that's what it's got to come down to: find a way to to fix uh, a lot of the miscues that are happening, and and um, 
you know, get 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 some momentum going. And and um, this is a uh, very disappointing as as uh, you can imagine. But uh, you know, we, we've got to find a way. That's just <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, the, the the first two touches for BYU tonight ended up being kind of colossal miscues. That had to be just staggering for you. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, the response responsibility for that is on everybody, and that's me and our coaches. And uh, you know, we have this high emphasis on on ball security, and that was a bad examples of it of ball security. And so that that that's. No excuses for that. Yeah. So, Kalani, you, you started kind of with the we got to control the things that we can control. Let's list out a couple of those things. What are the things that you as the head coach can't control that you feel like you can engage right now? Yeah, demand the guys to, to do their job on defense. Uh, hold contain when you're supposed to, and um, and uh, just, just uh, that's your job. You know, we had way too many inside runs bounce to the outside and turn into touchdowns. And so, um, uh, way too many big plays, and uh, uh, a lot of that is just guys just doing their job. And if if they can't do their job, then we're either coaching them the wrong way, or we got the wrong guy in there. So, I'm, uh, like I said, I have to find a way uh, to for guys to just do the basics, the fundamentals, all that stuff. And uh, you know that that that's uh, that that's something coming to my mind on defense, offense. It's it's uh, execute um you know <laughs> ran the ball decently i guess because we ran it a bunch but uh the passing game was uh non-existent and uh we didn't take care of the football and so this is a uh, this is kind of like that's not our style of football not our brand and uh let's get back to that and uh if we can do that then then we have a chance but if we don't do it then what's the point you know and, and that that's the uh that's going to have to be the, the call for our guys, and, and that's uh, myself, everyone, everyone in this building, in the facility that is on our football team and involved our program somehow need to find a way. And, and uh, it comes down to we got two guaranteed games left, just two, you know, and, and uh, we got an early morning start on, on one game. Never done that before, so maybe this is a good chance for us to do something brand new and never done before that I haven't done as a head coach. And and uh but but when it comes down to it for us is is get back to the basics the fundamentals and demand that we do it right and if we can't do one thing right don't move on you got to stick with that until we can get it right before you can move on we that that's well, that's the first thing that comes to mind right now without watching the film Kalani because you've already been through this before how much of what BYU is experiencing this season is what happens when a team goes up a level and deals with it week in week out for 10 straight weeks yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to find excuses, but we knew this was going to happen. And, and sometimes, as far as the, we knew the schedule, and we knew that it would be difficult and be physical, and this is a physical conference. So if you can't match the the, the intensity, uh, there's going to be a problem. And so uh, you can't just allow teams to, to to dictate how they're going to play the game and then you not buy into what to, to, to combat it. There's no easy way. If someone's going to try to be physical with you and you're not physical back, you can't win the game. That, that, as simple as that. If, if, if you look at it in terms of, of a boxing match, if you never swing punches and all you do is, is put your hands up and move around the ring, you'll never win the, you'll never win a round. 
you'll never win the fight. And so we're not even throwing haymakers. We're not even, I don't even care about throwing haymakers. I, I care about us doing the basics. Let's get some combos. Let's get some success. Let's move our feet. Let's use the right technique. Let's get our eyes in the right place. And I'm using the boxing analogy so people can see that I want our guys to fight. It's, but it's hard to want to fight if you're not doing the little things right. And then, and again, this is, a, this is an entire program issue that we haven't done the last three weeks. I think the guys' the effort and the energy, they want to do it. But you have to be able to respond. We, this is the same team that got down by two scores, by 14 points twice against Arkansas and found a way to win the game. And, and uh, there's a little bit of loss in that belief, and uh, we've got to find it and, and, and uh, find a way to get this done. That's, that's what it comes down to. Kalani, what did you think of your quarterback in his second start? Yeah, I mean, I think he ran the ball okay, and, and uh, but didn't take care of the football, threw two interceptions. That's not going to work for us. And then and just a lot of errant throws. I mean, I, I feel like we, we the ball was all over the place, so I'm not going to make excuses for him. But uh, we knew that he has a live arm, but what does it matter if you're not accurate with the ball? And uh, what does it matter if you're not taking care of the football? So, again, ball security, taking care of the ball, not turning it over, That, that that's a program issue and uh we, we haven't done a good enough job the last few three weeks especially of of taking care of football when we do greg will tell you that when we do and he has a stats that we're, we're actually a pretty good team you know so uh that return to the fundamentals of the basics of first of all don't if you're going to have the ball in your hands you better protect that thing you've heard our players say before that the ball belongs to the to the to cougar nation well I don't think Cougar Nation is going to be really thankful that or happy with the way that our guys are just careless with the ball, even when you're when it's in your arms, even if there's not a fumble. That thing's got to be secured to your chest, and you've got to protect it as much as possible. Guys were slipping and sliding out there tonight. More BYU guys, it seemed like, than Iowa State players. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that one. I, I, I mean, they're on the same surface as us, but, uh, you know, do we have the right shoes on? I have no idea. But I can tell you slipping usually happens with body position. So it means that they probably have better technique and better body position than we did, you know. And it's hard to cut from an inside foot to make to to think that you're gonna on a slippery surface to gonna make plays. And it's hard to come to balance if you if you're jump stopping instead of buzzing your feet. So uh, again, return to the basics. Uh, I don't know. I would look at the footwear and see what the the situation is. But uh, we we've got a we've got a, a week to figure it out. So I mean. I don't know if that's really that big of a deal as far as I'm I, – I, maybe I'm bypassing because I'm so focused on mm. on the technique. And But whatever it is, man, it, 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 it's an issue that all of us need to fix. And so if we have too many guys – I know there's a guy slipping and there's guys on the ground, but um, maybe – you guys say we have more more of us than them. It felt like it to me. I, I, I recall oh, yeah. one Iowa State player slipping in the flat when he when they threw to the running back out of the flat. But that's the only time I really recall that somebody was was losing their balance on the uh, on the Iowa State <laughs> side. There was one player yeah. in particular where Retzlaff lost his footing, and Ray Paulo, I believe, it was Ray. It might have been Tava, but lost their footing just on the outside. There was two guys in, in one play, yeah. and then Ray Paulo on the end round on the third and inches where he falls. I, yeah, it felt like it definitely affected BYU more yeah. than, it, than it did Iowa State. I, I think that, I mean, obviously everything's a, a factor into it. Yeah. But the, the thing that I'm, that has nothing to do with 
putting the ball close to your chest. Right. You know, that has nothing to do with knowing who, who you're supposed to tackle, with holding the edge and contain, with being assignment sound with the, with the run fits, with missing tackles on guys that not even blocked. So, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate guys trying to find ways to look at the, all the different variables. For me, those are the ones that stand out the most. We had unblocked guys missing tackles. We had guys taking bad angles. We had guys losing the edge and on, a, on an inside run that bounces and then goes for the touchdown. You know, we had guys that, that, that just were not in the right spot. And so it just, that's that's the stuff I want to fix right now. And, that, and body position, hands, uh, using our hands, using our getting our eyes right. I feel like guys were peeking in the wrong gaps, and that's what allowed us to lose the edge. And I, I think Iowa State, this, this is a one of the best um, blocking tight end teams that we've, we've faced. Um, but but that really doesn't matter if you're not using the right technique. You can't change. You don't have a chance, man, to, to to hold the edge or to beat them and be assignment sound and keep your outside arm free, things like that. That it, It's taught in football 101. We'll take a break and uh, get closing comments with the coach. Kalani Sitake coming up. It is the BYU Creamery Cougar Post Game Coaches Show. More with the coach next on the new skin, BYU Sports. You're listening to the Cougar Post Game Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, uh, the Cougars fall to Iowa State 45-13 tonight's final. Cougars have lost uh, three consecutive games, look to get back on track, bringing in a really good football team next week in the Oklahoma Sooners. And that will be your final home game of this season. Kalani Sitake with us in the Cougar locker room. And, man, this season has just zipped on by. You're playing your sixth and final home game next week with a really good Sooner team coming to town, Kalani. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. And um, they're, they're, they're hungry, and, and you know they, they have a conference championship to play for um we're trying to get bow eligible and so and and we're trying to win one for the senior so that this is a a lot to play for for both on both sides um you know they, they have a quarterback that we're, we're familiar with we've seen him play played against him when he was at ucf and so um they they have a really talented team you look at i haven't really scouted them enough other than watch them uh on film and when, when we played common opponents or uh, on, on TV, but um, so explosive, tons of talent, and uh, we're, we're going to have to play one of our best games next next week. And, and the kickoff is unique, and so you know this is this is new for everybody. Let's let's see what we can get done. Yeah, you go from the latest window to the earliest window in the 10 a.m. game next week. Yeah, and 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 uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll need. Uh, we've had ranked teams come in here before, and and uh, we found ways to win, and that's. Uh, I said when we first got on, we got we got to find a way. You know that that's got to be our theme: find a way to put points on the board, find a way to take care of the football, find a way to play assignment sound defense, and and find a way to get special teams so it's a, so it's a it's a benefit and, and and not a liability for us. So, Kalani, where does the journey start to getting to Oklahoma? Is it uh, you sit down with your two coordinators and you go over things and. And what kinds of conversations will you have with them when you guys really sit down, start to look at this film, and prepare for Oklahoma? Yeah, I think the first thing you do is take care of the stuff that we can control within. And, um, you know, why are we making these mistakes? Why are we not playing 
assignment sound on on all three phases and so talking to jay talking to a rod and talking to to k-pop this is this is um you know we've got to figure out what's what's going to be the best thing for us scheme wise and the best thing for us personnel wise to, so we can have success and and not get ourselves in trouble with with mistakes and so taking care of football has got to be uh um that that's an everyday thing for us but now it's like let, let's how can we do a bunch of defenses if we can't do one right you know so let's do one right first offensively let's let's figure out a way to get positive yards whether it's run pass or rpo or whatever it is and let's let's build from there oklahoma comes in eight and two you'll then finish with oklahoma state but oklahoma state have been kind of clipping along and we see kalani week to week you just don't know because osu went to ucf and lost 45 to three today now, the OSU conversation is two weeks from now, but the point being, week in, week out in this league, you just can't say what's going to happen. And uh, there are upsets every week in this league, and you get the chance to be that team to pull off an upset next week. Yeah, that, that's what that's what we have to strive for. We have to be excited for that opportunity to have a ranked team come in here in, in November, which is what we have not been able to see in years past, to have this type of, this type of quality opponent show up here and play in, in our home. And uh, this is our our senior game, so uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've never had something like this in Independence because we've always had front-loaded schedules. Uh-huh. And now, and, you know, this is the last time of this year that we'll be here. So need all the fans to show up and and uh, give us the energy, and and we'll try to find ways to keep them getting involved in the game so they can be a huge uh, um, advantage for us. Right now, we're not taking advantage of the most. Uh, the most disruptive thing we can have and the chaos that it can be caused from our, our our fans and when they when they are going this place is rocking and when you know going into the fourth quarter it was it was kind of dead because we weren't in it and couldn't take advantage of the fourth quarter energy you know that we have from the fire dancers and and cosmo and all that stuff and that's uh, it just didn't start out right, and we, we've got to get this thing correct. We've got to get the the train back on the right track and go from there. So, Kalani, uh, L.J. Martin comes back in this game. Talon Alfrey comes back. Paul Miley came back. You know, there were some guys that really got back. Still didn't see Keanu Hill, no Darius Lassiter. Uh, two-part question. Coming out of this game, did you feel like you were healthy? Any major injuries or concerns? And number two... Is there a chance that uh, we do see a healthy Keanu Hill, uh, maybe a healthy Darius Lassiter coming into that Oklahoma game? Yeah, I think that's that's the week that we're hoping to get Darius back is next week. And um, we're hoping to, I mean, Keanu did a little bit limited stuff today. Um, you know, we're hoping that that's going to be the case. And, and I, I think that's, I mean, we, we think that's going to be probably going to end up happening. It's hard to tell. Um, Keaton practiced last week, but he wasn't, still wasn't 100%. So we think that maybe by the time we get to to next week, early practice, that, that we might be able to see it. But there's a lot of guys that are banged up. Hopefully we get guys back. I, I, I'm more concerned about guys when they get back and they're on that field, that they're doing their part and they're doing their job and they're not making mistakes like we've seen. Kalani, thank you as always uh, for the time. We'll get back with you next week as you get ready for the Sooners. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, All right, that's Kalani Sitake. We will come back and get back into Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live as we roll on on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. All right, getting close to calling it a night here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU falls to Iowa State 45-13. to Let's pause 10 seconds during our post-game coverage for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU-FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. All right, so welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Greg Grubel, Hans Olsen upstairs. Mitchell Jurgens should join us momentarily. Hashtag BYUCPL. Get your tweets in on Cougar Post Game Live. It is Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. Hashtag BYUCPL for Cougar Post Game Live. Uh, at Chaplain Schumann on the Twitter said, how does the coaching staff get the slow starts thing turned around? And it's, it's an issue. Um, the early deficits, the early consistent double-digit deficits for BYU the Cougars are facing now, it's not only a, an away issue, it's a home issue. Yeah. And I, I felt that back in the day, uh, back when BYU and Utah were in the same league primarily, but even after Utah went to the Pac-12, I felt like in the biggest games, but the Utah game in particular, BYU would look, would look shaky early. Mm-hmm. And, and it just said to me that, wow, the game is suddenly looking too big for a lot of people it's too tight it's too tense and when when execution was needed at its utmost that's when things would drop back and things would look really bad really quickly and 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 i wonder what it is about the way byu's starting games lately what can we tie it to what can you attach it to because it's kind of been a consistent thing where where you're not even settled in yet and suddenly you find yourself down two scores well it's jake Rett's last second start so it's a big moment for him you know Iowa State playing really good defense. They clouded him out. They zoned into that leveled throw. And you heard Kalani Sataki was very pointed in it, Greg. He's, you know, he, he knows exactly what, what Retzloff is supposed to do. Retzloff knows what he's supposed to do. He's got an underneath route. Drop it to the underneath route. If you've got a zone floating and you've got that deep route, you drop it to the underneath and you go get 10 yards. You, don't, you just don't risk that interception in that moment. So... Could you imagine the frustration, Greg? Like, I mean, you're a high-level pro. You are. I mean, you, you run a very tight ship. You understand what needs to be done in a broadcast. And let's say that you, through nine games or ten games, that you have told me multiple times that coming back from break, you need to stop eating food and you need to be ready for the mic to turn on. And let's say game 10, I'm still eating food and the mic is turning on and you're looking at me like, how many times have I told you not to eat food when the mic's turning on? Full disclosure, Hans isn't doing this in real life. (laughs) This is is not an issue. We've got issues. That's not one of them. That's not it. (laughs) But when, when we're talking about pocket contains... I can't, I can't imagine how many times Kelly Popinga has expressed to Banya and Batty. I can't imagine how many times Jay Hill has told his safeties in angles, you have to hold contain. You have to hold contain. And how many times did we see it broke? And Kalani brought it up in his comments. Imagine telling, you know, your your. Going into this game, you had some ball security issues, and you're telling Paulo, and you're telling 
Keelan Marion, and you're telling Jake Retzloff, and you're, you're telling these guys, ball security, ball security. Paulo's holding that ball out there. Marion's holding that ball out there, and you've told them. So I can't imagine the level of frustration, you know, cause, because those are player issues. Flat out, those are player issues. Taking the angles as a safety when you've got a young safety that's in that um, south east end zone and he's coming up to make a play and he's unblocked and he's trying to contain a, a very good running back. I think it was Abu Sama, if I'm not mistaken, that, that went off into the left side of that, um, that end zone. And he doesn't even get a hand on him. The angle's there and he just doesn't even get a hand on him. And so I can't imagine that frustration where they've been told and they've been told and they've been told, and it looks like they haven't been told. And there's just no explanation for it. So for me, you know, Greg, if, if, I'm, if, if I don't stop eating food when the mic cracks, you got to make a change. And you got to say, dude, I, I've told you nine times, and you won't stop. So we've got to figure out somebody that's going to do it. Now, the problem is, do you have somebody better? And it it almost feels like with the depth and, and situation at the safety position, you might not. The depth and situation at the receiver position, you might not. Really across the board, I don't know who else you would go to. Just so our listeners are well aware, Hans is doing nothing wrong in the broadcast. <laughs> we, we have no issues, really. Oh in, fact, in fact, the only issues we do have with Hans are pretty much all travel-related. So <laughs> when it comes to on-air stuff, we are good. We are good to go. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, tough night uh, for the boys tonight, 45-13. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's three straight losses. And, and the frying pan, the fire scenario, the, the hard, the harder. The, it's, 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 uh, it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Now, again, the the the... the, the the light at the end of the tunnel was the UCF game today. U- uh, Oklahoma State just got worked by UCF 45-3 to today. So a team that's looking really good and clipping along is suddenly facing a reality check. Now they have a week to go before they play BYU, but that's something that uh, puts a little more interest into what might happen in Stillwater in two weeks. Meantime, Oklahoma is Oklahoma right now, 59-20. They mop up West Virginia today in Norman, a West Virginia team that took care of BYU pretty handily last week. So a lot of things have to flip and dramatically for BYU to have a shot. Otherwise, you go into your season finale suddenly now leading one win in one game. Remember when it was one win in five games to get bowl eligible? After that Texas Tech win here, things look pretty good for BYU. Got to win once in five. You can do that, right? Well, now it's once in two and maybe one in one if things don't go crazily good next week. So things get very interesting down the stretch. I, I, I do know that Kalani knows that a lot of what's happening doesn't take him off guard because of what he dealt with at Utah. Kalani and Jay and A-Rod went through the transition from Mountain West to Pac-12, and it bit Utah hard in the early years. BYU's transition different because of the independent preparation, not G5 to P5, independent to B5. A little more of, a, of, of, a, of an indication of what it might be like week to week, but this was, in a lot of ways, what they expected and if fans didn't, should have, and broadcasters didn't, should have. Everybody should have seen this kind of season coming in a way. 
But 5-5 five and five through 10 is by no means the end of the world, and needing to win 1-2 is still very possible for BYU, if not probable at this point. We knew that BYU would be an underdog, and it's back half of the season, and the Cougs have been that team. I don't know how much this really helps anybody, and it might not really help at all, but just a bit of perspective. Houston, who's a newcomer, 2-5 and five in conference, 4-6. and six. They're not going to make bowl eligible. BYU, newcomer, 2-5, and 5-5, five, five and five, might not make bowl eligible. Central Florida, who just got a big win over Oklahoma State, they're 2-5. and five. That gave them their second win, so they're 2-5. and five. They hate being called Central Florida, by the way. I know they do. That's why I call them it. And they're 5-5 five and five overall, so probably not getting the bowl eligibility. Cincinnati, 1-6. They're 3-7. Probably not going to get the bowl eligibility. Greg, there is a very likely chance that the four newcomers don't see bowl eligibility this year. And I I only mention that because I do think that there's a bit of a reality check, a bit of perspective that needs to be cast. I'm not making any excuses. You know me. I do not like to lose, and I am not okay with what happened tonight. But I do know that this situation is extreme. It is difficult. Hey, And guess what? It's going to get worse next year. Big 12 is going to get worse. It's going to get more difficult. You're going to add some new components, and you're going to add some Western counterparts, and you're still going to have some difficult travel that you're going to have to commit to, and it's just going to get more more and more difficult. So figure it out. Get your depth going. Get those NILs. Get that, get that money going and find the guys that can get this thing done. And it's not just about the money. You've got to find the character. I don't know about you guys, but doesn't it feel like a bit of the character, a, a bit of the, the chemistry, um, just a bit of, of what makes BYU great is missing right now? Well, it's, it's, it's tough to find it sometimes and see it when you're on the back end of three straight blowouts. Yeah. It, it, it dings the confidence. It's a fact of life. That, that losing, it's not just losing, it's losing the way you're losing. You're not, you're not in games and that's dispiriting. Mitchell Jurgens has joined us now in the booth after his day on the field. Mitch, you were part of listening to those post-game interviews. Uh, you've heard it all. What do you think after what you've seen and heard tonight? It's tough. It's tough to put into words. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It, it, it seems like these last three weeks, there's just been, and you heard Kalani talk about it, where he feels like, the players are are losing that belief like this team can actually come from behind get popped in the mouth and and make a comeback and um and it was different like you know I was down on the field and and through the first quarter even even into the second quarter I felt like at least the sideline that were bought it seemed like they were bought in there was energy and you even heard Kalani talk about it he didn't he didn't question the guy's energy it's just down to the basics nobody you know a lot of people just aren't doing the little things accurately and and it's some of the it's still just some of the same mistakes that are being made um that 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 continues to be a problem like uh, you know I've, we've talked about this really since week one and i'll continue to talk about it because um it's the position group i watch probably the most uh, the closest and that's the receivers and and they're still is pre-snap confusion. There are still receivers running to the wrong side of a formation, and you know, and and, and part of me, and, and just you talk, did see a lot of you did see I, some of that, Mitch. There was still some of it, and I, I just, it's, 
it's a head scratcher for me because I, I just I don't understand um, how that continues to be a problem. And, and and you just earlier just talked about it as I was getting up here um, into the booth. Um, you know, are there guys that are your you know seconds and your thirds and part of your depth that can actually come in and do the job? And that that makes me start to question because it doesn't matter who's out there. There seems to be. The the group's just not 100% bought into the same mission. It seems like, um, you know, not saying that there's there's no intent, but uh, from a performance standpoint, they're just they're just not coming together and putting uh, you know a, a A or B or even C effort out there. It's just kind of um, it's not happening. So uh, I I know like even being down in the locker room area and and down with the players, I mean you can tell they feel it. Um, it's it's uncomfortable, uh, which is kind of the first step to to hopefully figure things out because nobody wants to be in this position. Um, the the post game interviews it was, you know, pretty long faces and, and and you know I don't think any of them were thrilled to be on headset talking about the loss because uh, it hurts and and they don't want to find themselves in this in in the position coming up. Um, I felt like this was the game after two back to back embarrassing losses that we'd see a different product. But uh, we didn't, and so uh, there, there's clearly a lot of things to fix, and it's not just a film review and, and how can we, um, you know, what are the adjustments that can be made? I think it's truly you've got to find the players that that actually want to fight and, and make a difference. And, yeah. and because I think there's just too many players, whether they say it or not, it's just it's not as evident and... and there's not a lot of them right now, and so you got to find which ones they are, and 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 train them, and and coach them, and and help give them reps, so then they get comfortable. Because even if they do want to do it, this is tough football, and it's competitive, and and but they got to find the right guys. It is tough football. TCU, which played for the national championship last year, is four and six this year with two games to go in its Big Twelve season. Um, what I hope is, and I'm sure it will be the case that. Moving forward, we'll look back on this year, whether the next two games result in 0-1 or 2 wins. We will look back at this as step one of a progression that every team going up a level experiences to power conference football. And and ideally, uh, the lessons learned get applied in every possible way, and this becomes the the, the baseline, the starting mark, the, the, the ground floor for BYU, whether the season ends... Five and seven, six and six, seven and five, the regular season that is, it was step one. It's it's step one, and we also have to remember that the story for 2023 is not completely written yet. And if I'm a coach, that's how I'm looking at it. We, our story is not written yet. You seniors, your story isn't written yet. You come out and you redeem yourself against Oklahoma, and I know it, it's a far-fetched idea that it could happen. I get it. I'm, I'm, I fully understand that. But this is what I'm selling to my players as a coach. You can write a different ending. You can straighten out this ship. A, a win against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State could save so much, and we're talking differently as we're kind of wrapping up the season. You know, if they lose to Oklahoma in embarrassing fashion and they lose to Oklahoma State in embarrassing fashion – those are conversations that I, I don't want to have when we're wrapping up the season after Oklahoma State, and it's embarrassing. I don't, I don't want to sit here on a post game and have to have some of that conversation of now what really needs to change. Because you can change things now. You can fix things now. 
and you can have a better outcome, and everybody kind of saves face. So the story is not written. That's one why when Kalani said, we got to control the things that we can control, I asked him, well, let's. What are those things? Let's start a list of what things you can control. Because Kalani better start controlling them right now. He's got to start controlling them. And if he's got to have some really difficult conversations with some people about how we teach contain or what personnel we've got out there playing contain, then he's got to have them. If he's got to have difficult conversations with guys that are holding the ball out loosely, then he's got to have them. And he's right. Control the things that you can control. And what I would hope, Greg and Mitch, is that they control those things before it's out of their control. Do it now. Take the proper steps, the necessary steps to, to, to make sure that you get that straight because it's not written. And if this story gets written ugly with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, then it's out of your control. Uh, things will be taken out of your control. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can get some of those changes made. As we head to break, our final break of the night, we present to you Inside Scoop Trivia for two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. Hashtag BYUCPL and the correct answer. First in on my timeline, we'll get the ice cream. Here's a trivia question to end the night. BYU is 2-0 all time against Oklahoma. Sooners coming in here next week, right? Oklahoma is one of eight FBS schools BYU's played multiple times without a loss. But there are four FBS teams BYU's played at least three times without a loss. Which are those four schools? I'm looking for the four FBS teams BYU's faced at least three times without a single loss. Name those four schools. Include the hashtag BYUCPL. Be first on the Twitter timeline, and you will win two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. I sense that this might be a tough one to get. The four FBS teams BYU's faced at least three times without a loss. Name the correct four schools. Use the hashtag BYUCPL on the Twitter. You may win two half gallons of famous BYU creamery ice cream. We'll come back with more of Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live right after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. With more post-game reaction, here's Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with more Cougar post-game live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Well, my my faith is rewarded as my man, the Grizzfather, at Grizzfather no on, way. on Twitter, got the correct answer to our skill-testing trivia question tonight. The question was, which of the four FBS teams BYU's played at least three times without a loss? And uh, Senior Grizz answered correctly, SMU, Houston, Cincinnati, and New Mexico State. That's impressive. BYU's 3-0 and against all four teams. Holy cow. Then you've also got 2-0 and against UConn, 2-0 against Middle Tennessee, a 2-0 and against Temple, and a 2-0 and against Oklahoma. So there are eight teams that BYU's played at least, well, played multiple times without a loss, but only four 
that they've played at least three times on a loss, and uh, Grizz got him. What about Grizz? Well, it, it's impressive in two forms. Number one, Grizz, it's impressive that you've stuck through some of the difficult conversations <laughs> that we've had to have here in the post-game <laughs> conversation. Uh, number two, it's impressive that you would know those. So that's really impressive on two levels. But There's a lot of FBS schools. So yeah, there's 133 yeah. to choose from. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. Nice job, Grizz. We love you. Uh, and uh, I'll get uh, I'll get your 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 details. We'll get the ice cream into your hands. Well done. Let's uh, call it a night, shall we? Yeah. Next, yeah. So you go from the late window tonight, getting off the air at 1:30 in the morning, to leaving the house at 6 a.m. next Saturday morning to make it in time for the uh, 8 a.m. pregame and the 10 o'clock kick. I like the late kick. I, I did. I was able to sit around, started watching Michigan Penn State at 10 a.m. Yeah, no, uh, me too. And then I was doing yard work all afternoon. It was a yep. beautiful afternoon, knowing that we still got a football game at night. Love it. And yep. next week we'll flip it around, and it'll be frosty. Well, it'll be nice because I'm going to take my beautiful wife on an evening date. I don't know. Maybe right. we'll drive the Alpine Loop. Who knows? After the game? Yeah, maybe a trip to Home Depot. You oh. know, something real nice. It's getting more romantic <laughs> by the minute. <laughs> what I'll do is take her to Takano's, man, and we'll, we'll just keep those meats coming. That's that's all I'm worried about. All right. Um, let's. Uh, who's the crew back at BYU Radio? Well, I know we have. We have uh, engineers uh, here and there. But uh, Sean O'Neill and uh, Barry Squires are involved here and there. We have others back at the studio. We had uh, Seth Larson and Derek Duncan as our Derek, Derek Dungan as our control board operators. We had Terry South as our ever vigilant coordinating producer. Jason Shepard was our studio host, but the studio was here in the booth and down at Cougar Canyon. We have uh, Clark Jackman and Michael Wimmer as our audio engineers here in the booth. We have Associate AD Leadership on the corporate sponsorship side from Casey Stoffer. We had a spotter in Matt Jarvis, statistician in Ralph Sokolowski. We had stats interns tonight in, uh, in uh, Talmadge and Jonathan, I believe, tonight. Uh, Jonathan Hull was uh, working it along with, oh, Jerem Hartzell. It was Jerem Hartzell and Jonathan Hull tonight. And uh, did I mention Ralph already? Mention Ralph, didn't I? You did. Yeah. So a lot of people working to make this thing happen tonight. We appreciate... Uh, uh, Brett Pine and Kenny Cox and Duff Tittle and all the athletic communications folks working on the football side. Have I forgotten anybody, Michael? We hit all the good people. We did them all? All right. Well, a lot of people uh, work to make this broadcast happen, and we thank all those in Cougar Nation who stick with us to the uh, to the very end. And it's 1.32 in the morning after tonight's broadcast, a game that sees Iowa State defeat BYU 45-13. to so the last two BYU opponents, West Virginia and Iowa State, have gotten bowl eligible with wins against BYU. That's now seven bowl eligible Big 12 teams. There will be at least eight, and BYU hopes there's nine. As the Cougs need one more win in their final two weeks, it'll be here against OU next Saturday morning, and then at Oklahoma State, uh, time TBD for that one as we reach the end of the 2023 campaign. 8 a.m. radio pregame, 10 a.m. mountain time kick on a chilly morning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium next Saturday. So, for all those folks we just mentioned, that leaves only the headset guys. The man to my right. Mitch Jurgens. The man to my left. Hans Olsen. The big man. For those guys, my name is Greg Rubel saying, in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night. So long for Provo U. You have been listening to live coverage of BYU football. 
on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by All Pro Capital Real Estate Investments, by Les Olson IT, your office technology partner. BYU football is also brought to you by Smith's Food and Drug, fresh for everyone. BYU football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Shane Reese, Vice President Keith Vorkink, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorships, Casey Stauffer. BYU football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.